Hey everyone, I'm Zach. I'm the lead pastor here at Restore. Thanks so much for checking out this week's podcast. I hope that it encourages you and inspires you, and I hope that you have some community around you to talk through these truths and concepts with. If you don't have community like that, we would love to invite you to be a part of Restore. You can get all the information about our church at restoreaustin.org. We would love to see you soon at one of our Sunday gatherings, and we hope you enjoy this week's podcast. Good morning, Restore Austin. This is such an exciting day for me. Um, As you heard from Kendall, my name is Amy Edwards, and I am beyond excited to be here this morning. And if I'm being exceptionally honest, just a smidge nervous, um, I'm not used to speaking in front of a camera as much as I am speaking in front of groups of people. And so bear with my nerves if they do show through, Um, but I'm so excited to be here today. So before we get to jump in to what we just heard, um, I would love to introduce myself. Um, So like I said, my name, but then you will be seeing a picture of some wild and crazy folks. Um, These are my people. Uh, My husband, John, of 23 and a half years, and our two of 13 of our kiddos. Uh, We have a 22-year-old son and a 16-year-old daughter. And then our most recent addition to the Edwards clan, this is Ruby. Ruby is a nine-month-old chocolate lab, and she is as cute as she is sweet. So that's that. those are some of my people. So I want to tell you a little bit about me, and I've, I've made a list that I'm going to kind of run through here. Um, I am a woman in her 40s, a wife, a mom, and a friend. I love Jesus, my family, and Alabama football. Don't leave yet. Don't don't hold that against me. I am an Engram 5, and in the Myers-Briggs world, I'm an INFJ. So what that, the translation to that is this. I think about all of the things, all of the time. I loved I love people, but I absolutely do not love peopling, if you catch my drift. And I'm the biggest, biggest fan of justice. My favorite thing to do with people that I love um, is to spend time. And my favorite spot of where to spend time is in my kitchen. So John and I typically will spend um, most evenings in the kitchen cooking. And especially now, uh, we're at home most all of the day. So this is exciting to be with you all today. I do struggle with withdrawing inside of myself, and it truly takes God pushing me back out again in order to get away from that space. Um, About my life story, I pretty much could tell you, uh, in general, it could be a Netflix made-for-TV movie series. I feel like a series would maybe encompass everything. Um, My absolute favorite of all time job that I've ever had, but also the most challenging is being a mom. My health and fitness journey are described more as a roller coaster ride that I'm still enjoying, and I feel that I will until eternity. Um, In my effort to attain excellence, um, I've I've nearly killed myself. I, I am definitely a perfectionist, and in case you haven't noticed, I am super sassy. I have a lovely accent that is not Texas-based. I was born in the Midwest. I was raised in Tennessee, and I am coming alive in Texas. My toughest critic is me, but I am the real deal. 
I'm a what you see is kind of what you get kind of a gal. But what I rest in is that I am who I was made to be. So now that I have shared a little bit about who I am and what I am talking about, um, there are bits and pieces of my story I'm going to share with you this morning. And there are some very, um, I guess, big things that have happened in my life. And some of those big things can definitely um, maybe touch on spots in your heart because maybe you've gone through some of what I've gone through. But I'm also very aware of our audience this morning. And I want to say big shout out to all of you mamas and daddies out there with little ones, and you're trying to keep them busy with what Pastor Sonia sent them, um, but then also trying to listen to the word as well. I am very cognizant of that, and I will make certain that what you're going to hear is definitely kiddo-friendly. So with that in mind, um, I feel like we're not strangers anymore. You've definitely gotten to hear a bit about me, and hopefully you have a little bit of a feel of who I am. Um, And by the end of this, I truly hope that you understand the why I am who I am. So let's unpack hearing of God's unchanging characteristics that were just shared um, in the reading of Psalm 139. We're in week four of this unchanging series that's all about God's enduring and unchanging character. So in these past three weeks, we've heard Zach as he's taught us about that God is omnibenevolent. He is love, always loving, that God is omnipresent, that he is with us all along, and that God is omnificent, that he is always creating. So today we're going to look at what is it when we say God is omniscient, that he has total knowledge. After hearing um, the Psalm 139 that David wrote about how God knew him, it really reminds me of when I was a young child. As a child of divorce, I can speak of this this longing throughout my childhood for an earthly father that was all I could imagine a dad to be. And I made a list I'm going to read off of. Um, What I envisioned as a little girl was a man that someone who was going to stand up and who would fight for me, that someone who would love me unconditionally for who I was and no matter what I did, that there was someone there that was tucking me in at night and always there to say good morning, whose touch was loving and gentle, whose words would help me grow, whose arms would wrap me up and give me those hugs that are unmistakable and absolutely irreplaceable. And a man who also had that look that would tell me, I know you, girl, and I will love you always. It was an ache that my little soul carried for so long, so long. In the Bible, it says that God knows no matter where we go, no matter what we do, or even what we think, he knows everything. And oh, how I wanted that dad. I wanted that dad who would know me so well. But I mean, maybe not quite that well to where I could hold some things back if I had done some things I didn't want my daddy to know about. But what I hadn't learned just yet was that God knowing all the things was 
an absolutely beautiful gift that he gives me as his daughter. So as I went into high school and my college years, I kept having this nagging feeling. I was longing for something that I could not quite place. I had learned a good bit of scripture and attended church. I went to Bible study. I soaked in knowledge everywhere. Remember, and Graham 5, all the things I wanted to know. And so I would pull all of this stuff together. And as I was digging in, this is what I was finding. So when we look into at the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter one, verse 27, it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Then I turned to the middle of my Bible, and in Psalm 139, verse 14, we just heard, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Then we go into the New Testament, into the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 12, verse 7, and it says, indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Then we go back to the Old Testament again, and I dug into the book of Isaiah and found a few passages. In chapter 49, verse 16a, it says, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. And then we go forward to, or backward to Isaiah 43, 1, and it says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, he who formed you, Israel, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Did you hear what I just read to you, friend? He created you in his image. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He knows the number of hairs maybe a few grace like me, on your head. He know, has your name, first, middle, and last, engraved in the palm of his hand. You are redeemed. You are called by that name because you are his. And what is so beautiful in every single thing that I quoted and named is that nowhere in any of that did it say, you are these things because God has a checklist. Nowhere in scripture does it say, if you don't meet my standard, I will not love you. Nowhere in scripture does it say, if you do not check off all of the boxes, I will not allow you to be a part of my family. That is the beautiful thing about our all-knowing, omniscient father who loves us because he loves us. So for us, it's one simple thing. It's to say, yes, that's all he asks. Just say yes. The beauty for me in learning and believing truths allowed me the beauty of seeing an earthly father, but in a very unique way. You see, I didn't have that father figure that I longed for as a little girl that my soul ached for as a young woman. And quite honestly, there are days where I'd love a daddy hug. But what was amazing was in the late 90s, middle 90s, I guess, when I met my best friend who I then married and who I got to watch 
become the father to our children. And although I don't get that experience, I get to live vicariously through our children as I watch John showing up, loving them, being a strong father figure in both of his children's lives, calling them out when they need to hear it and hugging their neck when they need it too. And it's just an amazing gift that God has given me as someone who totally needed that, although it wasn't in my timing, right, as a little girl, but I got to see that as I became a young adult. You see, I said that my story, there are many times where God didn't do what I wanted, what I asked for, what I begged for in the time that I thought was best. But what I see when I'm able to look back is something of this nature that God knew before I was knit in my mother's womb that I would need John to be my husband. And he made that possible. And it is such a gorgeous gift. I think because God does know me, because God knows my past, he knows my present, and he knows my future, it does tend to give me this amazing sense of peace There was another common thread of the verses that I just read to you. Did you hear what kept getting repeated like more than once? It was that because God tells us and that he knows everything, that we are not to fear. And it doesn't say, don't. Don't be afraid when everything is peaches and cream and the day is amazing and there's beautiful weather and all your bills are paid and your children are on their P's and Q's. It just says, no matter, do not fear. In the day and age that we live in right now, I can assure you leaning firmly into scripture is where I have to go because if I jump into social media, I turn into a crazy pants. I absolutely constantly have to be back in the word if I want to feel the peace that God gives me and to be reassured that no matter what, I have nothing to fear. He's got this. He has got this. Now, I'm not telling any of you, and I'm confident all of us have had hard times, right? God doesn't promise us in his word that we won't have those hard times. What he does promise is that he will never leave us. He won't forsake us. His back will not be something we see because he turned away. It just won't happen. And his knowledge exceeds anything you and I are able to even fathom. And so when I've dug into scripture, I found many passages, but one in particular back in the Old Testament with Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 28, this is what it says. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. Not even the wisest of the Bible, King Solomon, could understand God in his ever, ever present knowledge of all things. There are so many examples that I can share with you from my personal story where God's unfathomable understanding has been apparent. And I've made a list because y'all, I told you Netflix series kind of a life, crazy town. You ready? I could share about being a survivor of abuse, but I'm not gonna. 
I could share about making decisions that would leave me with lifelong scar tissue on my heart, but I'm not gonna. I could share about losing who I was by medicating myself with food and becoming morbidly obese. I could share about my journey with losing multiple children to miscarriage. I could share about struggling with infertility. I could share about finding my way back to getting physically and mentally healthy. I could also share about being a foster family to some unbelievable kiddos who I hope are maybe watching this morning. My list goes on and on and on. But this little bit of my story that I'm going to share has spanned well over almost, I guess, since high school. I mean, many years where different pieces and bits have touched. We won't have time for all of my details because I'm telling y'all, like, seriously, we could pop on a kettle of hot water, make some tea and move into lunch and potential dinner. And it could be a weekend excursion. So I'm not going to do that today. But I think you are going to hear in what I am able to share this morning of how God weaves this redemptive grace thread throughout every little bit. And it's so beautiful knowing that our family was going to need to go through what we did in order that we would grow into who it was that God needed us to be. It began several years back when my husband John was building houses and had his own business Our children were young at the time, and John had worked exceptionally hard at building that business. He had a very um, lofty goal of what he wanted to reach by the time he turned 40, and he met and exceeded that goal by the time he was 38. And when I say he was working exceptionally hard, I also mean that his focus was mainly on that part of his life. So our youngest during that time wasn't always confident in knowing who her daddy was in a crowd, not because he didn't obviously live in our home. He did, but he was up before the sun. Many nights he would come home after um, the children were winding down for the night or going to bed. And so there wasn't a lot of interactivity. Um, Now, please don't hear me dog and John because um, I am not Jesus, trust me, nor am I perfect. Um, And so with him focusing on that aspect of our lives, I completely focused on being a mom to our children. And somehow in that time, I bought into this lie that being a mom um, far exceeded the job that John was doing. I moved that above the the ranks, if you will. And I took over. Um, I told you I'm sassy. I'm a bossy britches. I own that. And the house was my thing. This is how we do it. This is how we parent. This is how we eat. This is how we clean. I did all of those things. And in my mind, I kept buying into this lie that my way was the best way and what John did didn't matter. So one weekend back in uh, 2009, I had planned a girl's trip with my best friend from high school and um, we're super exciting. We were scrapbooking. Y'all calm down. I know we are wild women. Um, So I decided that um, leading up to that time, I had already made the decision that I was like, you know what? I'm tired of having a roommate. I'm ready to move on with my life since I'm the most amazing 
unbelievable wife in the whole wide world. And my children are raised by the best mother ever. Um, I'm just going to move on. So I started looking for a a full-time job outside of the home. I started looking for an apartment. And I also started looking for an attorney because I was like, you know what? I don't know why I'm staying in this marriage. This is ridiculous. Like, what what am I even doing? What am I even doing? And so um, I went on this trip and for those of you who aren't aware of the scrapbook community, I'm confident many, um, we, they set up these great big um, eight-foot tables, and you get a half of a table for all of your things to lay out on, and you're seated next to someone, but then you also have two other people across from you, so it's a big square that they set you up in. And I vividly remember sitting in that time and listening to some of the other women that are around me, and I'm listening to things like, like people cheating on their spouses and they're, they're questioning whether or not to be in the relationship. And I was like, wow, that's a lot going on in their marriage. Or another person who was married, who uh, was struggling with um, personal abuse of substance, substance abuse. And I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, that's, that's a lot. Like that's so much to have to deal with in tandem with being a mom and a, a spouse. And I kept hearing this stuff come up over and over. And I'm like, what kind of a scrapbook trip did I sign up for? There's a lot of, lot of mess going on here. But what happened in that, in that time, as I was driving back home, I dropped my friends off and, and I had, I don't know, maybe 20 minutes in my car alone. And there was something in me that just, it kind of flipped the switch. And it was like, I had just taken some sunglasses off and could actually see. And I realized what what am I doing? Why, why am, am, am I being so hard on John? And why am I saying that I'm so Christ-like and being this amazing mother and housekeeper and all of this? How, what am I doing? And so drive home, walk in, and I felt like I had potentially gone to the wrong house, but I was sure I was in the right spot because I opened the door, the house in the area I'd walked into was immaculate, solidly cleaned up. There was a meal laid out on the table. The house smelled delicious. There was a bouquet of flowers in the middle of the table. I was like, okay, this is good. My children came, of course, greeting me. Mommy, you've been gone forever. I know, sugar, mommy's been gone. (laughs) It's been two days. I don't know how you've lived without me. Um, And then John walked in. And I could just see something in his eyes that told me that maybe he had had some thoughts along the way. And later that night, as we put the kids to bed, uh, we sat down and had this conversation. And we both came to the realization that we become exceptionally selfish in our marriage. Um, it, w- it had always uh, been about teamwork and team effort, and this had turned into all about Meville. And it was devastating because both of us are not quitters. Um, I know they say opposites attract, but John and I are both very bullheaded. Uh, We will dig in. There will be blood. No, I'm kidding. But maybe not. Um, so we we stand strongly in what we believe in, and we and we fight hard for what we love. And um, we realized we were fighting hard for the wrong things. Now, don't hear me say being a parent is not something to fight for, but you have to do that in tandem if you're married. You've got to do that with your spouse. You can't do that by yourself. Um, and so it just it was this amazing 
amazing moment that we had. And y'all, I don't know if you noticed when I said this, um, 2009, and for you young nuggets out there that were babies back in the day, um, the economy of the United States of America went from yay to no. And it went very quickly. The housing industry was hit probably the hardest uh, of all the the markets that I was aware of. And partly because that's where we lived was in that housing industry. What happened next was us desperately trying to throw whatever money we had at the business, trying to save the business. We were like, surely it's going to get better. Surely it's going to get better. Maybe tomorrow it'll get better. Anybody feel those feelings lately? Um, You know what I'm talking about. We're hopeful that, okay, maybe tomorrow, maybe next week, maybe next month. And what we realized was faster than than what we could stop was that we had spent everything we had saved, like literally everything we had saved. Over the course of the next few weeks, um, we were finding that we aren't going to be able to afford insurance for our health. We're not going to be able to afford insurance for our cars. We're not going to be able to afford all of the bills. And so over the course of the next several months, um, we got some really fun Uh, visitors to our home, like super fun people uh, who come in with this lovely packet of paper to say, you've officially been served. I mean, to the point that one of the sheriff's deputies and I were on a first name basis. So yeah, we had a lot of those visits. We got tons of phone calls about the fact that uh, we owed this money and we were in debt for this. Um, Probably the most humiliating thing, I think, um, in well, not for me, but watching what John had to do was to drive both of our cars over the course of a few weeks um, because they've been repossessed. I, I, it just, we literally, we literally got to the point of we lived in a huge house that John had built for us. So beautiful. I love that house. Um, and we we wound up unable to pay the utilities, unable to pay the mortgage, um, we immediately put our house up for sale. But because of the market, I mean, it took a long time to get it to sell. And then lo and behold, it did sell. And the buyers were a little less than gracious with the closing date. And so um, they decided that they wanted access to the house on Christmas Eve. Because, yeah, I... I might still be a little bitter. I'm still giving that to the Lord. Um, Because if you haven't figured out with as yay exciting as I am um, with the movement business, I love holidays. I love celebrating. I love gathering people. And um, Christmas for me is just this amazing time of, of celebration, right? The new birth of our Savior. And then all of the, just the fun of, of celebration, And we're having to pack up a house. So in the meantime, we've had yard sale and we've sold literally all the furniture that we could get to sell. Um, At one point, there was someone who was haggling prices. I was like, if you want it, you can just come pick it up. Like legitimately, I don't know where I'm going to put this stuff because the house we're moving to, it did not have the same amount of room in it. And so it was one of those things. I mean, during that time, I felt exhausted mentally, emotionally, physically, I was drained. I, 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 I just, my time with the Lord during that, thankfully 
was very strong. John and I would sit down and pour over scripture every morning before we would go about our day. And typically it wound up with us weeping and just begging for mercy, begging God, please, Lord, please, can you, can you just... And what I would find in my moments, still it gets me emotional, but what I would find in my moments alone with the Lord is I would, I would be so drained, so tired, the day in and the day out of the not knowing what was going to be the next thing to be taken away, what was going to be the next thing that was going to be a no. But every single time I would go back to his word, every time without fail, he came back and reassured me, I know you. I know you by name. I know how many hairs are on your head, even though you lost a substantial amount last week due to stress. <laughs> I know you because I have your name engraved on my palms. I look at who you are every single moment. Do not fear. And in those moments, the tears came. Don't think I'm not a crier because obviously a girl gets emotional. But when I would meet the Lord and y'all, there were days where I didn't even have, I, there weren't words. I didn't even know what to say. And for me, I'm very wordy. That's a huge deal to me. I felt broken and I felt exhausted and tired. But God constantly would give me that peace that passes all understanding there would be someone who would show up at our door with groceries. There would be someone who would call me and say, are you okay? It would be people that I legitimately couldn't name to you right now, but it, it would just come out of nowhere, it felt like. I'll never forget sitting in church one Sunday. Um, at that time, back in the day, we carried like the physical Bible. Um, we didn't, a lot of us didn't use the technology quite yet. And um, I opened my Bible and there was an envelope and in it, it was blank, and I, I, I knew it wasn't mine. I mean, I, you know, and I opened it up, and someone had stuffed it with cash. I, I, God showed up through so many people and so many interactions during our time. So back to uh, Christmas Eve. <clears throat> so we we definitely uh, were all hands on deck, trying to get things packed and loaded and whatnot. And our kids, thankfully, were able to go to their Annie's house and um, spend a couple of days with their cousin and aunt and uncle and uh, get to play. So that was really good. Um, but it was a rainy week and uh, cold because it was December. And we found that the night before Christmas Eve was our last night to pack up what we had left. And vividly, I could tell you everything about our master bedroom closet because this is where this happened. The smell, the sound, the lighting, what I was wearing. Um, John and I were drenched. I mean, like, you know, you don't, you just can't get past the rain that comes in tumultuous pours. And for my friends in Texas, the way we get a little gully wash is kind of how rain stays for days in Memphis. So, um, we were standing in our master bedroom closet and gathering the last little bits and pieces and changing into dry clothes. And there was this moment where John and I just, both of us, we hit our wall. Have you hit that wall before, friend? You know what I'm talking about, right? And we looked at each other and just burst into tears. We were beyond exhausted. It was the middle of the night. We were working through the night. 
We were soaking wet. We had changed clothes a couple of times just trying to stay dry, stay warm. And in that moment, it felt exhausting and hopeless, and we felt so helpless. Um, It's humiliating, right? You thought you were doing all the right things, and life comes with one fell swoop and tells you, nanny, nanny, boo-boo, no, you didn't. Um, And we had to find strength in that moment. Um, And so we did. We loved on each other, gave each other a big old hug, wiped up our tears, put on some dry clothes, and kept on going. And so the next day, which was actually the official day before or day of Christmas Eve, we went Christmas Eve uh, morning. We went and signed the paperwork and turned in our keys to the closing officer. And um, we drove over to my mommy and love's house and went to pick our kiddos up. And she had prepared a meal for us. So we ate some dinner and um, we packed the kids up and, you know, we said we'd see everybody tomorrow. And so we we got in the the truck and um, drove to our new house. And since our children were younger, we we definitely didn't involve them in the whole packing, moving, all that business, try to protect them from being in that, just knowing too how hard it was for us and how much we had to get done in a very short amount of time. But I'll never forget this. So we, we go, and I mean, John and I literally probably shouldn't have been driving that night because of exhaustion, uh, but we did, and yay, we made it home safely. Um, but as we pulled up, uh, the whole house, it was dark. We didn't have any lights on or anything, and out of the back, our daughter at the time was four, and she was like, oh, Mommy, Santa came to our house. And I was like, oh, baby. And then I started crying again. Why? I didn't have gifts for our children. We didn't have a, 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 a decoration one set up. Um, we were ceiling to floor boxes and just stuff just in piles. And I had set the children's beds up and, and their dressers so they could have clothes and they had a bed. Um, but other than that, we, you know, I think John and I had a mattress on the floor at that point. Um, and so I was like, oh, sweetie. And of course, I look over to John. He looks at me and I was like, well, that's lovely. Mm, Trying to think of what I was going to say. So John pulls up in the driveway and she tears off out of the car and goes up to the front door. And she's like, mommy, mommy, look at this. Look at this, mommy. And sure enough, I walk up to our front door and there is a live Christmas tree leaning up against it. And next to that is a bag filled with ornaments and decorations for the tree And then next to that were a couple of garbage bags full of wrapped and tagged gifts for our children. You see, that best friend that I've known since I was in high school, who took me on that wicked awesome scrapbooking weekend, also happened to know because of being in a Bible study with with John and I, what we were going through. And the people that we joined in that, I heard Kendall earlier talking about community. Those were the people who showed up and they leaned a tree up against our door. They brought us decorations. They took care of gifts for our children. And so because I am who I am, I stayed up through the night. I sent John and the kids to bed. I decorated the Christmas tree, set up our stuff, got all the gifts ready, and our traditional um, cinnamon roll tradition that we have every year. 
I made sure that I had all the ingredients ready to go for in the morning. And we woke up and we had one of the best Christmases I think that we've ever had. It was so much fun uh, watching the children as they came down the stairs and they were so excited that they had presents to open. And um, the tree, they loved the tree. It was a live tree and that was super special. Um, it's amazing at God knowing everything. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't comprehend how he knows to, to help paths cross along the way. I, I, I couldn't even tell you. But I know that it wasn't an accident that I met my best friend from high school that hot summer day on the volleyball court. I know it wasn't an accident that John and I were set up to meet each other one summer day. Um, I know those weren't accidents, that God knows everything before, now, and in the future, and helps to lay out this beautiful plan of all of these things weaving together. But I will tell you this, losing all that our family had, being taken from standing to our knees, really down to our faces, if I'm honest, if we had not gone through that all those years ago, I wouldn't be able to be here today we probably wouldn't have moved to the Texas area. We'd still probably be in Memphis. Lots of things would not have become because of that. But what I can remind you is, is in all of these moments, I could feel God with me right there. That we're told multiple times in the Bible to be still. And many times with that stillness come such amazing gifts. When I read in the Psalms, I look back again, Psalms I lean into a lot, but in Psalm 46, um, verse 10a, he says, be still and know that I am God. Well, y'all, if you hadn't quite picked up on this, I'm not like super still. I use my hands a lot. I'm typically not parked in one spot for very long. Um, it tends to be an uphill battle for me because not only is it that I don't like my body to be still, but my mind, because of my wiring, does not like to be still either. Um, I'm an exceptional overthinker because I'm, I think, because of where my five lays in that Ingram business. Uh, so for me, I find that I have to be very intentional with stillness. I have to allow the Lord to come in and help me be still. It's one that I feel that I'm going to learn this lesson of stillness up until I meet Jesus face to face. However, I know this, that as crazy as our world gets, as nutty as it feels, as upside down as it absolutely has been, we can always go back to the same thing, the same one every single time. And it is the Lord. It is God who knows all of what we're going through today and all of what we're going through for the rest of our lives. He knows. Now, one thing I want to tell you before we close up today, that story that I told you about losing all the things and just this rigmarole and roller coaster ride that, that our family went on, a couple of things that happened moving forward. Our son, when he went to high school, wrote a paper about the fact that when we lost everything, the title of it was, we lost everything, but I got my dad back. That was so powerful that we had to go through that in order for our family to come back to being the family we were intended to be. Our daughter could tell you story upon story upon story of those types of situations as well. 
So we relocated here, I've told you, about six years ago. I probably didn't say that part. And it's been an uphill battle, 11 years and counting, of trying to get back on our feet again financially. It's not something that I I know John doesn't love to talk about it. Um, And here I am telling all the people. Hmm. Um, But y'all, this spring, during COVID, we were able to go and put a down payment on land to build a house. If you would have told me that probably even six months ago, I would be like, I mean, maybe so, but let's not be crazy. God shows up and he shows out like every, every single time that was, I mean, John and I both, if you ever ask us, we laugh and we just say only by God's grace, like there's no other explanation. I can't give you a, a reason of why we were able to withstand it. And let me also mention, we never had to file bankruptcy. You cannot explain that away to me. I just am stunned at how good God is in all of this. The beauty of that God is omniscient, that he knows all of the things, he knows everything, and that we don't have to question why anymore, because we can trust fully on him. So as we close our time together, I want to leave you with a passage that really speaks to me. And it's one, given the time that we're in, I truly hope that you'll just rest in these words. Because for me personally, this is a tough time, like kind of like what we went through in 08, 09, 2010 through mm, 15. But I have this. And so I, I look at this passage um, in the letter to the Philippian, in, to Philippi in the book of Philippians. That's why you need Zach back. He's very, very knowledgeable. Um, chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. And bear with me. I'm going to read this to you. So if you want, close your eyes and just take a listen to what the Lord tells us in his word. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray together. Father God, first and foremost, oh, Daddy, thank you, Daddy, for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to be among some just amazing human beings who love you, Lord, and who serve you in such an amazing capacity. Father, we lift up Zach as he is healing, and we lift up his precious wife, Amy, as she is nursing him back to health. Lord, we just thank you for technology that you were able to um, He was able to have the surgery performed and get him back up on his feet quickly. And Lord, I just thank you for my story. 
I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come before others who may not know you, God, or who may know you, but Lord, they may have walked away from you. Or Lord, like me, who have been struggling during this time in our country where things are just so topsy-turvy and just, it's so exhausting. Father God, may we all lean into you firmly. May we know that you are, you are all-knowing, all-loving, always creating, God. You are doing all of these things. And because of that, because of that, Father God, we have the peace that you give us that we cannot even understand. May it wash through our hearts and souls. May it wash over our tongues as we talk and type. Father God, will you please, please, Lord, just come and be a part of all that is going on on this earth. I ask all of these things in your precious son's name, Father. Amen.